episode 11 with crowdfunding guru Seymour Signet. Hello and welcome to The Inventor's Mind. My name is Chris Hawker, professional inventor, author, and president of Trident Design LLC. Join me each episode as I talk about the mechanics of invention, interview leading innovators, and discuss big ideas. This is Chris Hawker. Welcome to The Inventor's Mind. Today on The Inventor's Mind, we are going to have Seymour Segnet. Seymour is the creator of the Thing Charger. The Thing Charger is a product which raised over $640,000 on the crowdfunding platform Indiegogo. We met Seymour when he approached our company for help getting the product made after his campaign, realizing that having sold tens of thousands of the Thing Charger, he was going to need some serious help in honoring his obligations. So he contacted us after hearing me on a podcast about getting help, and we subsequently helped him to secure a license. In the process, we got to know Seymour, who is, it turns out, a very interesting guy with a lot of interesting things to say. And so I invited him to come onto the show to talk to you about crowdfunding, his experiences with it, and some of his advice for people looking to crowdfund their products. So without further ado, let's begin. Hello and welcome to The Inventor's Mind. My name is Chris Hawker and I'll be your host. Today on The Inventor's Mind, we have my good friend Seymour Segnet. Seymour is an inventor hailing from New York, I believe. Are you from New York, Seymour? Uh, in many ways. I, I live in New York now, and my parents met in New York, although I was originally raised in the UK. Right. Living in New York area currently, though, and Seymour and I met because he contacted uh, my company, Trident Design, in order to get some help with a product that he had crowdfunded on Indiegogo to the tune of $600,000 plus, and uh, a huge success for him, um, which actually became, you know, a high-class problem because he had thousands and thousands of backers to uh, get perks to of their thing chargers, and so he was stuck with, like, how do I deliver this product in this quantity at a high quality to all these people in a high-integrity way, and so he was looking for some advice and support with that product and came to us for help, and uh, ultimately we helped him secure a licensing deal for the thing charger and now it's getting ready to be produced but that's kind of how we met but uh in the process we've become good friends and Seymour is a guy with a lot of great insight on both crowdfunding and marketing and so I thought I'd bring him on the show so he can share some of his experiences with our listeners and uh you know hopefully provide some insights for your own projects so with that Seymour why don't you tell us about the Thing Charger. Tell us a little about yourself and, and about your project. So I'm uh, uh, I'm 50 years old now, and uh, there's that there's that um, statistic out there somewhere, which is, which is that the average is it millionaire or highly successful person has had 17 failures that precede them, and I, I believe I believe I'm up around the mark. Um, I believe I've got. I've, I think I've done my time and had my share, and I've and, you know, and I've had uh, some amazing experiences and fantastic uh, em, employments. I was I was a uh, uh, for a, a, a year. I was a presenter, a radio, I guess a disc jockey, you would say, on Capital Radio London, Europe's largest, most successful radio station. We used to say at the time, and still pretty big today. Um, I uh, studied engineering originally. 
uh, at Oxford University, but, but but left and went into into advertising. Um, I was in the radio, as I mentioned, for a while. Uh, I then helped a friend to uh, launch a direct uh, marketing uh, company that was selling little model cars based on you know air concerner and and a, a bunch of other kind of um, you know based very much on the whole world of Formula One racing hmm. and so on. Um, and uh, he and I started banging our heads against each other. So I went to South Africa, uh, where some friends of mine were living. I wound up working with a company there. Uh, I did two things there. One was helping some UK friends of mine to launch a software company. And some new friends I, I met over there with an amazing uh, product launch company that was focused on doing incredible sort of theatrical events or product launches. And we wound up launching uh Richard Branson's Virgin Atlantic was launching service from London to Johannesburg. We wound up creating an, a, a huge event in a disused warehouse uh, to do that with, you know, lighting and uh, and kind of special effects and and a mime artist at the center of it all. And during all of that, an opportunity came up through the uh, the software company that I've mentioned to bring it over to Silicon Valley and raise money. And so I came over and did that. Was duly fired from my own company after a few years. Um, studied NLP. Uh, neuro linguistic programming, which is a study of the way the mind communicates with itself and with other people, started a, a company uh, based on that, which we've run for ten years or so now. And along the way, been involved in a, in, in a, you know in a handful of other things. Uh, and a year or so ago, I was trying to solve the problem that I think many of us have these days, which is we've got all these things that need charging, and all the charges are different, and they're messy, and the tangle of wires. And just came up with a very very simple idea for a device that would kind of look okay in your house and get rid of the wires without some complicated wireless technology that no one understands and isn't supported yet. Mm -hmm. And um, and it was a very simple idea, but I, I found that when I presented it initially just with the kind of the friends and family test, people weren't, I, I just, I just gave you the kind of the, uh, <laughs> the sort of 25 years of crazy things that I've done. And generally as I, I went into each of those things with great enthusiasm, my friends and family would say, yeah, see, well, yeah, that's great. You know, best, best of luck with that one. And with this one, they were like, oh, my goodness, that's amazing. Wow, did you think of that? Oh, my God, you've got to do that. There was this completely different tone in their, in their voice. And I had no idea what to do with it, never in, invented a kind of a product as, or, as such before. But I just thought, my goodness, if people are reacting like that, I'm an idiot if I don't, uh, if I don't do something about it. Mm -hmm. And so tell us a little bit specifically about you know what the thing charger is um so if you imagine for a second a regular um american wall outlet for listeners overseas the american wall outlet is is uh, two sockets one above the other um and therefore it's a kind of it's a vertical rectangle so if you imagine a, a straightforward regular outlet um that's what the front of a thing charger looks like now make it an inch thick in your mind, in your mind, in your mind, make it an inch thick um, and put two plugs on the back so that it can plug into a wall outlet. So now what we've got essentially is a box that is bringing your outlet an inch further out from the wall. Uh, and now onto the top of that, simply put the tip that you need to charge your phone. Um, so a lightning tip for Apple, um, interchangeable with a, a micro USB for, for just about everybody else. Um, and that's the that's the heart of the thing charger. And then as we as we started to develop the idea, we thought, well, we're going to have these interchangeable tips. You need to store them somewhere, right? Otherwise, they'll just get lost. So we made it that you can just you can pull the thing out from the wall and, and store them in the back, which is which is neat. Mm -hmm. And then we've already got all of the electronics to support USB charging, you know, with a USB cable. 
part of the 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 beauty of the idea is we're getting rid of all of those cables, but why not put a couple of outlets underneath in case you ever need them? So we put those on there. Mm-hmm. And people seem to like that. And then after playing with it for a week or two, we, we realized, well, hang on. We, on the front of it, we've got the very outlet that we just used up by plugging it in, if that makes sense. right? When you use a power outlet, you're plugging something in and using up one of the outlets. But we're not actually, because we put an outlet, because we put two outlets on the front, when not using up the outlets on the wall, mm-hmm. that means that you can actually plug a thing charger into a thing charger. And you can have multiple thing chargers. So you can have and multiple tips at the top. So you can have multiple. So, you, so we would never suggest, it, I mean, you should be careful, obviously, because if you've got a rickety old wall outlet, you probably shouldn't plug anything into it. But if you've got a, if you've got a good modern wall outlet, uh, you can generally plug two or three thing charges into it, and you know that means that in the in in the one outlet in the kitchen that's perfectly positioned for this, you could maybe have your, you know your 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 Galaxy or your iPad or whatever at the at the at the back, um, maybe your phone in the middle and a, a little iPod, you know, mini or something up at the up at the front. And so, and so yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and so so you had this idea. Like one of the things I like to talk about a lot is that the source of most of the best ideas comes out of a personal experience. Yes. Was there a specific moment or experience that caused you to come up with this? You said you weren't an inventor before. What gave birth to this idea? Yeah, I, mean, I, I kind of think everyone's an inventor, but just some people do something about it. I mean, and you, you know, you started young and have, you know, have spent a quarter of a century doing something about it. Um, uh, I started a year ago with this idea and, and, you know, uh, most folks out there come up with ideas from time to time, but the, but the process here was I was just trying to, um, you know, I mean, my wife and I live in a in a in a, a house with which is a beautiful, a lovely house with a great deal of potential, and there was there's quite a lot that we could do to get it from um, from its from its current delightful but rather ramshackle state into being a sort of you know a kind of dream home, and we're working on it project by project. And it's an old house, so it's it's a fairly slow process. But I was just trying to solve this charging problem because I was fed up with all of the wires around the place, and I was buying things. You know, I would, uh, you know, I'd look online on Amazon, or I'd, or I'd go into Best Buy, and I I I was buying charging solutions that I thought uh, would help. <laughs> One of which was, and you you may have seen this because there's two or three different manufacturers doing it, and you can you know you can get the components to do this um, online or at Home Depot or whatever. But there are several manufacturers now that have got a regular wall plate, you know, a 110 volt American outlet with two USB outlets on mm-hmm. it. And USBs right. kind of become. Yeah, a new standard. Almost. Exactly. Yeah. So USB, USB, that's the thing you have on the side of your laptop or the back of your computer, and it's the and it's if you when you when you walk around with your phone these days, that's you know it, you're plugging a USB charger into the wall, and then you plug the wire into that, right? It's that kind of little, what is it like a, a half an inch wide? I mean, mm-hmm. three quarters of an inch wide and a quarter of an inch thick. So, so, so these these wall outlets we're talking about here, they have two. You can plug two regular things in as normal, and then they have two USB outlets. I thought this is fantastic. We'll go around the house, you know, in a, in three, four, five different places. We'll we'll replace the plates. It's going to be fantastic. This is the answer. This is the future. Mm-hmm. And and comically, a friend of mine who's who is designing a dream home at the moment. I think he's actually only designing it. I don't think he's quite figured out how to, how to, how to sell his existing house and pay for it. Um, but he was doing a lot of work um, sort of specifying the kind of the, like the perfect home. And he was asking me about it. So like, 
Rex, you've got to look at this. They've got these outlets now. They have USB in them. The problem is, and this is, I mean, this is a guide not just to inventors, but I think to all of us as consumers, think through what it will actually be like in use. I mean, you're there in, you know, in Walmart and you're at the counter and there's 50% off and you're getting all excited about, about this amazing deal and, you know, you're going to bring this thing into your home. First of all, your home doesn't have this thing in it at the moment and you're going to introduce another thing in. Mm-hmm. And they say that they say that kind of living free of clutter, which is most of us do not, but living free of clutter means living in a home with only a few hundred things in it. Mm-hmm. Right? And most of us have many, many thousands of things, sometimes tens of thousands of things in our house. Mm-hmm. So you're making a trade-off when you bring something into your home. You're exchanging a little bit of free space for something that is either going to be delightful or it's going to be more junk in your house, mm-hmm. essentially. And uh, most of us don't think it through, but I try to have that discipline now when I'm thinking, like, does this, does, does this, does this really deserve to come into my home? And, and, and if you think around your own home, you know, some of us are more concerned with design than others. But if you think about it, the things that you love having in your home are generally things that work and they're simple and they're easy on the eye. And, and sometimes we're not fussy enough at the moment of purchase. Um, so I've gone off on a, a little bit of a tangent there. So I had this like, oh my God, moment about these wall plates. I bought one back and I'm reasonably handy with wires and so on. I've actually wired a house in the past. <laughs> so, so I said about replacing the wall plate, which if you've ever done it, you know, should be a kind of, you know, five or 10 minute job. You turn, you turn off the power at the box, right? You unplug it, you, 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 undo, three, you undo three screws, you replace it, you screw it back on. And Bob, turn it back on, and Bob's your uncle. <laughs> and I did all of this, including some testing, because we have slightly old wiring and so on. So I tested it before closing it up again. It worked perfectly. And then when I went to put it back in the wall, it turned out that in our old house, because this thing has a transformer in the back, the mm-hmm. box on the back of it is bigger than the old boxes in our wall. Does that make sense the way I've described it? Yeah, yeah. In other words, it wouldn't fit back in the wall. It probably would have fitted in most modern houses, but it wouldn't fit in ours. And in the particular um the particular place where this outlet was was on the some <laughs> side of a of a brick fireplace. Mm-hmm. So enlarging the box yeah, became this insane <laughs> operation with a chisel uh, with a chisel and with mortar and with, uh, you know, uh, what's it called? The final coat you put on before paint, you know, with spackling and oh, <laughs> this massive operation. My, luckily my wife, my wife and daughter were away at the time, but it took hours and hours spread over several days, letting the mortar dry. It was just ridiculous. It was just to get like two USB outlets. Yeah, well, right. But I was like, but I'm, I'm the kind of, I'm the kind of insane person that I will do all of that to get the Nirvana. And I think it's, I think, I think living with great solutions is worth the effort. So I, so I was putting in the effort, but here's what I found. Once the thing was in and it was working and I, I spackled and I had dusted to within an inch of my life before my wife came back, what I found was that it didn't solve the problem. All it did was remove from the equation the little brick that plugs in that has the USB outlet on it. Same amount of clutter. Just Now, now you can like take off the little brick. You, you, you get to remove the t- – and, and for certainly Apple these days, the little brick – most of them. Now, the, the little brick is it's like an inch cube. So, yeah, it's a tiny improvement getting rid of the brick. But the real problem is the wire because either you leave the wire there the whole time and you've got clutter when you're not charging, right, or you tidy the wire 
or the wire and the little brick away someplace into a drawer, and then it's not ready to charge when you need it. So this, this whole, and, it, and, and for me, I mean, the reason I took the trouble to tell the whole story about the bricks was because it was sort of a magnifier. It's like, oh my goodness, after all that, and we still don't have the solution. Right, right. So I was out buying things, and, I, and one of the things I bought was very vaguely like our thing charge now in terms of its sort of size and shape. Mm -hmm. um, but it didn't have any of the things that we have. And, 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 and this was another, another thing that seemed like a really good idea. It was at a great price at Costco, and I bought it and plugged it into the wall. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I've still got this wire problem. And it would be, but, my goodness, it's got a little ledge along the top. What if I could just put my phone right on that ledge? Mm -hmm. And my wife said, go to the basement and do not come out until you have Maybe. cut it up, cut it up, and mm -hmm. stuck a lead in it, and somehow... Yeah. And so we made this incredibly basic prototype to test the idea, and, and, it, and it went from there. Mm -hmm. And so then you made the prototype, and you decided to start showing some friends, and you got this hot yes from everyone you showed it to, that there was some, you know... Yes. People thought it was a great idea, and then at some point you decided you're going to crowdfunded but you know what did you what was that decision process like did you know about crowdfunding already or did you think about starting a company to make it how did that go yeah i mean i i i and i went ahead because my wife said you know my wife encouraged the, me to go from just the kind of what if idea into something Mm -hmm. um, and obviously she gave feedback and kind of coaching as we went along. And, I, and my way of showing it to people, by the way, which I wouldn't necessarily recommend for everyone, but I, what I found was, I, I always find, I mean, you, you asked me to describe it, and I find it very difficult to describe in words, but incredibly easy to demonstrate visually. So, so the way that we showed it to people was we, we made a little film. You know, we kind of just you know, got the iPhone into the kitchen and plugged it in and just made a tiny little demo film that anybody could make easily with, you know, with... with with a with a phone and a, with any kind of camera and any any kind of computer, um, so that's a great a great option if you have something that, that's visual. But there was this amazing reaction, and I'm like, I've got to do something about it. But I didn't know anything about the process in which you, of course, are so experienced. But I have had in my life times when I've got this great idea, and there's this exhausting process of going to people who might be able to help, who don't get it, and say no, and this, that, and the other. And of course, you've got to be prepared to keep going. And Colonel Sanders got 200 no's before anybody said yes to Kentucky Fried Chicken and so on and so on and so on to KFC. But I just sort of somehow, I'm like, I'm 50 years old and I don't have the energy for this. But this new crowdfunding thing's pretty exciting. You know, let's put it there. And because people were reacting so well to it from this little film, I was like, my goodness, if I can just get that in front of a few people. Um, I think we could do we could do well with it. So that was the, the and you know Kickstarter has obviously done a fantastic job of publicity. So we knew about Kickstarter, started digging into it. It turns out that there are now dozens, hundreds. In fact, I now believe there's over a thousand of different platforms. Uh, we wound up going with Indiegogo just because at the for where we were, which was we got a great idea that we were able to present really well, but we didn't. And it was I knew that with some money I could go I could I'd, I'd find someone like Chris Hawker who could help us make it real. I mean I, I you know I knew I knew enough about the world of commerce, the world of engineering to know that the thing could be made and and would be able, would be makeable at, at some kind of reasonable price. Of course, it turns out it's more expensive to make than we thought. But I mean I, you know you look around at other products that are there and you're like okay well this can be done. Um, but there's no point in doing it if there isn't a market for it. So so we took our presentation skills 
um, and put them on on Indiegogo, and um, and and wound up with a with a, a you know I, I think we're still in Indiegogo's top thirty or top thirty five all time campaigns, and we're in the top point one percent of all campaigns. Um, that doesn't mean that we're the most profitable, of course, because hardware is hard and it costs a lot. But um, but in terms of the actual amount that was contributed, it was was uh, fantastic because people just see it and like it and love it and want it. And it, and in and in the case of Thing Charger, uh, it's wonderful because because uh, they want more than one of them because they plug into each other. And I want one in the office and in the kitchen and in the basement and in the bedroom. Um, so our average. Um, our average contributor contributed an amount commensurate with getting five, wow. five thing charges. And what was your total uh, eventual raise? How much did you raise? Uh, it was a little under six hundred and fifty. Um, and the reason I don't have the exact number in my head is because actually it winds up getting chiseled away at in the in the weeks that follow because you know a few people have um, contributors remorse and that kind of thing. But mm -hmm. it was it was well over six hundred and forty mm -hmm. um, in in total, mm -hmm. and. Um, and we're now on the uh, what seems long, but in terms of you know the the universe and life and anything important is actually pretty quick uh, process of of getting it made and bringing it to market through um, we we uh, we licensed the product through um, through you and thank you um, again from the bottom of my heart for your help. But we licensed uh, through Chris and Trident uh, Design to a terrific manufacturer uh, based here in New York. And I'll give them a plug. They're called P3, and uh, they they have uh, <laughs> they have they're actually the market leader in a, a quirky category, which is animal chasers. They have electronic devices that that can sort of encourage deer to leave your property. An obvious fit for the yeah thing. yeah. So th so these are these are non uh, non fatal. They're animal chasers, not animal killers. So mm -hmm. so if you have a problem with kind of rodents uh, or you know unwanted animals on your property, they have a range of devices, and they and they I think they're the global uh, leader for that, they make it under their own brand, and they make for for a bunch of other people. Uh, they also have this product called the Kilowatt, uh, which you may have seen um, at Home Depot and various other places. Which is a a fantastic if you're if you're trying to get a grip on the amount of power that you're using around your home and your electricity bill. Um, it's something that they have a, a range of different models. Some of them are connected to your smartphone. Some of them are, are more simple with a display. But they'll, they'll, you know, you can plug it into your refrigerator for a couple of hours, and it'll say, "Okay, dude, well, this is costing you this amount per year," and um, and help you to really get a get a grip on that. And the reason that um, we love them, apart from the fact that, from that they're you know super people and they're they're passionate, is because for us. Um, and again, I want to kind of credit you uh, with this, Chris. You found for us. Uh, a team that was the perfect size for Thing Charger because Thing Charger, we believe, has a, a huge amount of market potential. All, all of the evidence points to that from everything that we've seen, um, but uh, but needs a lot of love and a lot of care. And if we had licensed to some you know enormous corporation, mm -hmm. we would just have been one of you know hundreds or thousands of products, and we'd have gone through their usual process, and it wouldn't terribly have mattered to anybody there whether we were successful or not or it would have you know, I mean, it kind of would have but they but likely a large corporation wouldn't have noticed it um what did i hear the other day about um in the in the world of coconut water there's vita coco and there's is it is it zico zico yeah, yeah zico and zico um, sold to pepsi and has kind of plateaued since they sold to pepsi in other words they they don't have that kind of 
Pepsi, you know, I'm sure is main is you know is doing a very solid job with it, but there isn't this excitement about making it great. And the beauty for us with P3 is these guys are big enough to really make you know they can handle Think Charger when it goes to millions of units, and they can handle uh, handle it when it when it goes international. But they're small enough that it's a really exciting pr a project for them, and they're thrilled with it, and you know it's it's, it's occupying a lot of their attention which is well, just wonderful yeah one of the things we look for when we license products that is important is is a company where the product has the opportunity to be strategically important just like you're saying so it it can really move the needle you know at p3 it could it could dramatically increase their sales by 10 20 percent total yep. you know conceivably whereas you know if it had gone to some place like belkin no matter how big it became you know, which would be huge in your world, it would still be really small in their world. And so does it even matter to someone? And the truth is someone where it doesn't matter, it doesn't actually hit the big goals that you might have for it. Like with our Power Squid, we had originally licensed it to Power Century, which was a smaller company, you know, around 30 or $40 million in revenue. And when the Power Squid came for them, it help that company double in size uh, you know it in over the next few years directly contributing at its peak to around eight million dollars a year in revenue and and then also opening up a lot of doors that really um you know contributed to the company growing to about 70 million in revenue so a huge impact on that right. company well phillips then saw this company that was growing really rapidly and bought them thinking that that would be a good acquisition for them to move into offering these types of products. Well, Philips then is a $35 billion company. And this little $70 million company they bought kind of as an experiment just became kind of an afterthought. And they didn't really, you know, get behind it or give it the attention or the funding and the excitement. And then, through, you know, they moved people around and the team that was really driving that growth got split up and, Suddenly the products, instead of being sold by a dedicated team of eight salespeople, was being sold by a completely unfocused team of several hundred people, but who had also Sonicare toothbrushes to sell. Mm -hmm. And the product flatlined and then started decreasing. And they thought the answer to it decreasing was to raise the price. I mean, they just made a whole bunch of ivory tower decisions that didn't serve the product. So we actually saw when the giant company took over, the sales plummeted, even though this much smaller company, you know, you would think would have a lot less efficacy was actually much more effective because there were dedicated, passionate people. And one dedicated, passionate person can accomplish a lot more than a whole team of people who don't care and don't, aren't trying or, and aren't focused on your thing. So, um, kind of in a, a long elaboration on the point you just made there, but it, I think important to anyone looking to partner with another company, the immediate assumption is always the biggest is the best. And, you know, the most high profile is going to be my best option. And that is often not the case. The The person who's going to be your best partner, whether it's a licensing deal or, or whatever kind of deal you're putting together is going to be someone for whom, they're strategically excited. There's an opportunity to really impact their business and where you get to deal directly with the people who own the company because they're the ones who ultimately are benefiting. If you're only dealing with middle managers, you're asking them to take on a deal that isn't necessarily going to benefit them. And so they don't have the kind of incentive to drive 
the deal that someone does if, if they're intimately connected to the results. Sure. And, and in fairness to folks who are listening, I mean, you know, we feel we landed in, in, in just in just the right place here. But we were considering other options with 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 you at the time. And, and if, if it had been you know one of the options with a larger company that came through, I think it would. You know, because you because you don't know who's going to make an offer and you don't know what the offers are going to be and I mean it it, it might have we we you know we might have wound up making a different decision if things had flowed a different way and I think it just says well in that case you've got to you know you've got to I think anyway you've got to continue to be the the, the cheerleader for your um for your for your thing you know for your for your product for your idea target, if you will. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a guy called uh, Harv Ecker who does who does um, the motivational seminars. I actually worked uh, with him a little bit a few years ago, and he used to do he used to do a piece at some seminars because he had had a, a, a number one best selling book, and he used to do a piece on on you know how to how to be a New York Times number one bestseller. And he'd stand up on stage and he'd say, "All right, here's the first thing you want to know. Grab a pen and paper. I want to teach you how to spell publisher." Okay. <laughs> P-R-I-N-T-E-R. Printer. Publisher is spelt printer because that's all they're ever going to freaking do for you. <laughs> um, and and uh, I think it's, I mean, he obviously made it very colorful the way he described it. But it's like some just because someone else is, has, has taken on your product, they're never going to be as invested as, as you are. You know, I mean, Thing Charger is everything to us, and it's and it is it is just one of a of a nice handful of exciting opportunities for P3. So they're all over it, but they're not living and breathing it every minute as 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 we are. So I'm constantly thinking about well, what you know, what can I do to help to to get it out there? Mm-hmm. And and our particular uh, deal with them allows us to sell it ourse- ourselves on our own website. So obviously looking at that, but I'm looking at anything that will help P3 to move it as well. And so if you have a book, you know. Get start booking us, you know, like you know, like the you know Harv's example of printer and publisher. If you have a book, call the radio stations and get interviewed. You know, I mean, get get out there, work on the PR because you're always going to have more passion and more energy and more time for it than um, than the folks who who theoretically have now ta- have now taken it over for you. Right. Well, and a, a big mistake a lot of people make with this type of stuff and in life in general is waiting for permission, waiting for someone else to tell them what they can do or what they get to do, as opposed to taking matters into their own hands and creating the things that they want without waiting for someone else to tell them that they should. And like in your case, you're not waiting on P3 or me to tell you to go out there and do everything you can to promote your product. You're taking matters into your own hands and really you know, being the source of your own success, not waiting for someone else to hand it to you. Yeah. Um, so now that we've got this product with P3 and they're working on developing it and bringing it out to market, um, you know, what's, what's next? You've had one big success with the thing charger. Uh, are you going to continue doing this or? Yeah. I, I mean, I think the great thing about life is that, um, uh, you never know what's coming next, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, someone I trained with uh, once kind of drew drew a graph on the um, on the on the board, and I'll just describe it so you can make a picture of it in your mind. They drew a graph on the board, and it's two parallel lines going from left to right, one a few inches above the other, and there's now a wavy line 
that is waving up and down most of the time in between the two lines, but sometimes popping above the top line and sometimes below the bottom one. And the point was that the middle section is kind of the gray zone. It's every day. It's the shopping that needs to be done. It's an average night of putting the kids to bed. It's, it's, it's sort of normality. But the quality of your life depends on the degree to which you can be you can be encouraging or creating or making the most of the things that are fantastic and are kind of in the top, the peaks of the lines. Right. An opportunity comes along and you magnify it and you exaggerate it. And also because there's going to be some bad stuff from time to time. You know, people, you, know, people, you will lose people you love. There will, you know, there will be significant challenges in life. But it's how do you handle the, the kind of the lows as well. So I don't know. I don't know what's coming down the pike over the next, you know, uh, hopefully many, many decades that I've, that I've got uh, in this life. Um, but uh, I obviously want to keep that philosophy and make the most of it. But I, your question, I think, was probably originally intended to be kind of more specifically to do with invent, invention. And I think the thing there is um, I'm looking out for stuff all the time, um, but I want to, uh, but, but I don't want to just do something for the hell of it. You know, I think if something comes up that I think could be really, uh, really special or something that's just great and could be easy. I might be interested in that as well. I've got a couple of things that might be, yeah, maybe that, that could be, could be fun and quick and quick and easy. Although we know that we know that even those wind up being, um, uh, you know, a much bigger uh, project than you think. Um, but the main thing that we're definitely doing for now is that, um, thing charger itself has a lot of, uh, legs because, uh, we have the basic thing charger we offered. We're now doing it with surge protection um, which I know you've done in the past is you've added surge protection to add extra legs to a product. Uh, we're going to produce uh, a third version that I'm not quite announcing publicly yet, um, but the, the, they will essentially be kind of thing charger, thing charger plus and thing charger double plus as it were. Mm -hmm. um, and so some, and so, you know, we believe a lot of people will choose to have, um, the, the kind of upgraded versions, um, which, uh, which is great because the, the manufacturing costs are such that, that the, the, the margin, the margins are, are, are better for us on the, um, the, the upgraded versions. But then there's international. Mm -hmm. Um, we've got a lot of interest from around the world. We've got, we've got, uh, distributors, you know, and calling us from, from all around Europe and all around the world saying when they're international versions. So we're going to do, so we're going to do, uh, at least three different versions for, for the U S. Um, and therefore three different versions in each of those other markets when they come out. Um, and there's then a bunch of other extensions that we have in mind so, uh, all, all around this. Sort of like a lot of extending on the initial idea of the thing. Yeah. Right? Extending the, extending the initial idea internationally in terms of, in terms of the unit that people have seen and loved so far. And then we also, we've got some, some more ideas around, you know, I mean, there are a lot of these charges that you can, you, know, you can charge them up and you can take them, you can take them with you. Um, so we're trying to think, uh, I mean, and there are plenty of people doing that. Did you? Did you know? You you may know this, but uh, but most folks listening probably don't know that the all-time highest number of units of something ever sold on QVC in a day. I think I've got that statistic right. Um, is uh, the Halo charger, which is one of these chargers where you charge it up and you carry it around in your pocket as a booster if you need it. Mm -hmm. So this category of mobile charging is obviously hot, and we we have some ideas around. Um, innovations that we could bring to that in other words things not not just another you know, not just another halo or another mophie or whatever but what but but just a, a new look at a new look at that which is obviously a, you know it's a big market because everyone's got these devices they carry around and uh, to keep them light and thin the batteries in them aren't always as, as strong as they might be yeah so that's just a good good note for our listeners to 
to think about always, like once you've had a success of one kind, like what, what ways can you extend from your original idea to capture more of that market? Now, a lot of times what you find is line extensions take, you know, just as much effort for a small fraction of the original product success, but sometimes the line extensions can be bigger than the original line. Um, ex- you know, accessories to products generally don't become nearly as valuable as the original product itself because you're going to get an attachment rate. So if you've got, you know, here's the thing charger and now here's an accessory to thing charger, something like that probably isn't going to do a huge percentage of business. However, if you have something where here's the thing charger one and now we're opening up a whole new market with an international version or here's another version that may not do as much in scale, but it's going to be a lot higher margins. So it's going to be a lot more exciting sale when we do it. There, you know, there's a reason to extend it. So there's a logic behind what you should pursue as line extensions on a, on an original idea. Um, some of which are going to make more sense than others and you can't do them all simultaneously. So getting a good map of like, here are all the opportunities and then deciding which ones to go after first based on which ones have the most sales potential relative to the incremental effort that's going to be required to produce those line extensions. Yeah. So, um, okay. So that's, you know, your future with Think Charger. What else, what else are you up to? I know you've got a, a podcast starting. <laughs> Yeah, we had. I mean, I'm sure you found this that people, you know, as soon as people hear about you or hear about some success, they like they, they want to know more about it. And um, uh, I think that this uh, this whole area of um, of crowdfunding is just this spectacular new opportunity for entrepreneurs, and not just for entrepreneurs. I mean, to say for mankind makes it sort of sound like a kind of religious movement or something, which is perhaps a little excessive. But I think the notion of, of, of the crowd empowering projects is spectacular. So it can certainly, it can be for, you know, inventions of the kind that we've been discussing today, but it can also be to, to you know, families raising money, you know, for people with you know terrible medical conditions that are solvable, but at great, at great cost. And you can build a crowd to help um, to help to help that to uh, to help with you know any number of um, of amazing and worthwhile uh, projects that that aren't necessarily products. So I think crowdfunding is phenomenal. I feel like we learnt a lot, but it's only a fraction of what there is to be learned. And I thought, well, what if we you know, uh, just get on the phone, get on Skype a couple of times a week, and talk to you know great people in crowdfunding, um, the people who have. Uh, run great campaigns. What can we learn from them? Occasionally, maybe to someone who's run a campaign that should have been great and bombed. And what can we learn from them so that we don't repeat the mistakes? Uh, talk to the people who are running the platforms. Talk to people like you who who are stepping into crowdfunding but have a huge amount of experience that that uh, that the inventors and, and and projects can use in actually getting their stuff uh, made if they're fortunate enough to have some success. Uh, and so we're launching the Kickass Crowdfunding Show. Um, uh, you can find it through kickasscrowdfunding.com, uh, um, and it's just going to be uh, we're going to be launching uh, September 2014 uh, with a whole bunch of when, when we come out there will already be a library of uh, kind of five of five or ten great uh, great interviews. We already have uh, just about all of those in the can, including um, the co-inventor of modern crowdfunding, Slava Rubin, who's the now runs. Uh, Indiegogo, which is the, the one of the biggest platforms, um, but they were actually the first, 
um, and just about all of the others came later and to some degree copied copied Indiegogo's innovation. And Slava tells the story of you know, they were sitting around in the room in the room one day, saying, "Well." Surely there'd be a way that, you know, the crowd seems to be doing everything else. Surely the crowd could raise money. Well, what would that look like? Well, mm -hmm. YouTube's pretty big. We should have <laughs> we should have a place for a YouTube video prominently on the page. Well, we can't just have a video. We've got to have a way for people to hand over their money. What about a button on the right of the YouTube video? And they, and, you know, so they actually sat there and invented what we now know as, as crowdfunding and and. Uh, Indiegogo then led to, to Kickstarter and, and, and hundreds of hundreds of others. So a fantastic kind of 101 on crowdfunding from Slava. Um, uh, I met with Brian Meese, who's the who who does the who runs um, Rocket Hub, um, which is uh, which is gaining a nice niche for itself and and uh, kind of biting the heels of, of Indiegogo and and Kickstarter. Um, uh, Bill Kerrig of Rally Me, which specialises in helping. Um, sports people—they just had an amazing season, helping to get a lot of people to the uh, to the Olympic Games, um, and uh, and some great um, great innovators. Um, and it's uh, my goodness—I'm learning a phenomenal amount. I mean, if no one listens to the podcast, I still get to be a great a great winner from this because we're planning future campaigns, and uh, already the what, what we're learning from these conversations are, are, are benefiting the the uh, the campaigns no end. So. I guess as a as a great way to uh, wrap up our show, having run one extremely successful campaign and now getting all these opportunities to talk with people, uh, the people you're you know you just mentioned there. What are some pieces of advice you could give to someone getting ready to uh, launch their own crowdfunding campaign? So uh, my simple uh, rule of thumb for this is: one, you've got to have something that's worthwhile. So it's got to be, um, Chris, you talk a lot about the kind of getting the hot yes from people uh, when you're showing an idea around the place. Mm -hmm. So uh, so crowdfunding will not salvage something that doesn't that doesn't deserve to succeed. It, it, it will. It, it's a way of unleashing the energy in something that does deserve to succeed. Mm -hmm. So whether it whether it's a cause, um, you know, helping other folks or whether it's a product or whether sometimes it can be a blend of the two. Mm -hmm. um, you want to you know, you want to do the sensible test to make sure that. You know, friends and family are giving you a, a hot yes. They're giving you the, the the real encouragement, not just the kind of yes. Good luck with that, Chris. <laughs> um, so, uh, so so we need that. So we need something that that can. So you then you then need to be um, intelligent about how you present it. Crowdfunding is a you know what you're going to wind up with is a is a page on a crowdfunding website, and that's where you get to make your case. And you don't need to hire a twenty thousand dollar production company to make your video. But you should make a video and it should be authentic and you should think about um, and I want, I want to say this in a way to encourage people um, not to not to put anyone off. But but stop and think about, you know, you've got two or three minutes. What do you want to get across in that in that time? And I think for most people um, to to script it tightly is is very hard because most folks can't speak to a script in a way that's very natural mm -hmm. on camera. But you don't want you do want you there. I mean, if this is your project, you want to look into the camera and say, "Oh my goodness, we've got this idea," or "I've you know I've seen the children. I know what a difference this is going to make when we build this school or whatever it is." Um, but uh, the one I, I said to someone the other day, the one the one place that I think it's worth well, it, it, it's worth getting any help you can. But if you only did one thing for your video. Maybe get some help with the editing. Mm -hmm. you know, gather a lot of material together, um, 
but maybe have some some help in editing it down because these days we're all uh it's kind of amazing when you think where we were five or ten years ago but we're all incredibly video literate and we will start a video and click away from it in seconds if we don't like it so make sure that the you know the first 10 seconds of the video shouldn't be an orchestra playing while while there are beautiful shots of a valley because that's where you happen to live or something mm-hmm. you know the first 10 seconds you want to have enough happening in there to encourage people to um to watch the, to watch the rest of the yeah. Capture them right away. Yeah, exactly. Capture them right away. And then do the same with the, um, not everybody watches videos, right? Some people are going to go and they're going to read the, read the headline and they're going to read the, um, uh, the, the top part of the page. Many people, uh, make a very quick, I think everybody makes a very quick decision about whether or not to stay, but some people make their, their entire engagement is quick and they're just going to want some nice, you know, we call it eye candy, but some great pictures that tell the story and some bullet points that say, you know, quick key is a, is, does this thing charger does that. So, you know, three bullet points, seven bullet points right at the top of the page. So people can quickly understand what you're about, but then develop the page more with paragraphs and, and pictures. And when you scroll, I, I think the very best tip is go and look at 20 other campaigns that have been successful you know, in, in your area. So if you've got a product, go and look at 20 other products or 20 other electronics products or whatever it is you're doing. If you've, if you've got a cause, go and look at 20 other causes that have raised, you know, have, have, have raised well. The top, the top 20, in fact, mm-hmm. would be the thing to do. And just sit there and write down everything they did that was cool. You know, one of the things we did was um, we saw you know, one of the products we looked at had a comparison chart comparing it with its, with its competitors. Mm-hmm. And we didn't see any sort of, direct competitors to thing charger but obviously people are charging in other ways so we did a comparison chart with the other ways and actually wound up having fun with it because there's this little i can never resist mentioning that um the, the state of wireless charging today is is almost comical because you have to buy a special uh, case for your phone mm-hmm. um so, so you can no longer choose the color and the design of the case you have to buy a special charging um case for your phone and then you have to buy this mat that that you lay on that you that uses up some real estate, you know, in your living room or your kitchen or your hallway. And then there's a wire that snakes from the mat to the brick that plugs into the wall. Mm-hmm. So we have these photographs saying, you know, well, here's wireless chargers with all of these stupid wires snaking all over the place, and here's a thing charger. So we had fun doing our kind of product comparison. Right, having and, fun with it and creating something that engages people. It's yeah, not exactly, just like presenting exactly. the information in a dry form, but it's really and fun. Like, and fun's really important. I was I was talking to Brian uh, Brian Meese at, at uh, Rocket Hub about this the other day, the founder of Rocket Hub, mm-hmm. uh, about how important fun is. And he he plays in a band, and he's like, you know, dude, if the band isn't having fun, uh, the the audience doesn't stand a chance. And I think the same <laughs> thing goes for this. You know, as you, as you're as you're putting your project together. In, even if it's for an incredibly serious uh, cause, you should feel that excitement. You know, the people Passion, who are helping yeah. you should feel the excitement. You should you should have the you should be having aha moments as you put the video together. You know, it's like there should be that going on. If you don't have that going on, eh. you can't fake it. You can't fake it. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, great advice, Seymour, from a guy who's. Uh, been around the block and, and done it once very successfully and i'm sure uh you know you should take his advice people he made it happen so you're not going to make it happen if you're not having fun 
And if you're not having fun, do something else, right? So that's you can't just do it just to make money. If you're doing it just to make money, chances are you're going to fail. But, you know, if, of course, we're all doing this. The whole purpose of doing it is to raise money. So it's not that you should ignore that. But if you're doing that exclusively and not also doing something you're enjoying, then, you know, do something else that you would enjoy. Um, all right. Well, Seymour, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today and share your experiences as well as your advice. And I uh, wish you the best of luck on your next crowdfunding campaign. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. All right. Take care. And there you have it, folks. Seymour Segnet. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Seymour is a fascinating and interesting guy and a pleasure to talk to. If you want to learn more about his projects or his podcast, you can check out links in our show notes. And in the meantime, if you enjoyed the show, we'd love it if you headed over to iTunes and left a review and subscribe to our podcast. Every week, we'll be coming back with new experts and interesting people in the world of invention. And we appreciate you for taking the time to listen to us. Until next time, go out there and invent something great. Thank you for tuning in to The Inventor's Mind. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that it gets your mind racing. Please go over to iTunes and leave a five-star review if you found this episode helpful. And if you want to learn more, you can find me at theinventorsmind.com or follow me on Twitter at InventorChris. If you have an idea and want to take action, head on over to trident-design.com to start the process of bringing your idea to life. Until next time, happy inventing.